Jeffrey, welcome back to Nightfalls. Come settle in for tonight's soothing bedtime story. As always, don't worry if you fall asleep before the end, you can drift off whenever you're ready. Come settle in beside the fire and let's experience the joy of a lazy day together. A day when the birds are singing, the sun is shining, and there's nothing much to do but enjoy yourself. Whether it's spending a day curled up with Otto in a camp chair, or pottering around the vegetable patch, there's little more relaxing than a lazy Sunday. I don't know about you, but just the thought of it is making me feel a little sleepy already. Before we begin, here's a word from our valued sponsors who make this free content possible. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. For the best way to fall asleep with Nightfalls, you can now become a premium supporter. Enjoy the entire back catalogue of Nightfalls classics, all with a rich, immersive and totally ad-free experience. If you love falling asleep to Nightfalls, Nightfalls Premium will elevate your sleep while helping to support myself and the team. We love creating Nightfalls, but without supporters, it wouldn't be possible. Join Nightfalls Premium today in just two taps on both Apple Podcasts or via the Supercast link found in the show notes for all other podcast players. Your sleep will thank you for it, and so will I. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. If you've been feeling overwhelmed with anxiety lately, try listening to a guided meditation on the Meditation for Anxiety podcast. Meditation is a proven natural way to help you calm down and dissolve stress so you can feel lighter and happier. So subscribe for free today to the Meditation for Anxiety podcast by searching for Meditation for Anxiety on your favorite podcast player. Today is my favorite kind of day, a lazy summer Sunday. 
The lazy Sunday is different from other days because it doesn't announce itself with the trilling of an alarm clock or the clatter of pots in the kitchen. Instead, it allows you to ease yourself into it slowly, waking up feeling heavy-limbed and bleary-eyed and utterly rested, stretching and mulling over whether it's time to get up or to roll over for some more delicious rest. This morning, my choice is to roll over and nap a little longer. That is, until I hear my bedroom door swing open just a touch and peek from below the blanket to see a sniffing nose poking through the gap between the door and its frame. It's my dog, Charlie. Clumsy Springer Spaniel with swinging ears who has learned to deftly climb the stairs and sneak into the bedroom for a morning nap. In he comes, squeezing past the door to spring up onto the bed beside me and find a cosy nook to hunker down in. I guess Charlie had chosen a lazy Sunday too. I lay around a little longer, stroking Charlie's nose and watching his paws twitch as he dreams of chasing balls and squirrels through the woods. There's nothing that epitomizes the lazy Sunday better than a snoring dog, tangled up in soft white sheets. Before long, I hear a little clinking sound coming from the kitchen through the now half-open door, a sound I am well attuned to hearing, the fetching of the coffee cups from the kitchen cabinet. I pull myself from the bed and stretch my arms above my head. Charlie springs up too, tail wagging against my ankle as I wrap up in my cosy dressing gown. We both pad down the stairs to find my wife, Mira, in the kitchen. Mira has a different idea of a lazy summer Sunday to mine, preferring to get up with the sun and head to the shed. She had lately transformed it into her studio after my grumbles of watercolour paint on the sofa cushions and she spent the cool mornings of spring and quiet sunny dawns of summer in her own space, painting and sketching and drinking tea in her pyjamas. This morning she was wearing her favourite, and her long dark hair was held up with a pencil on the top of her head. I kiss her good morning as she pours the fresh coffee into our cups and tells me that breakfast is ready. I am the usual chef of the household, as the only thing Mira can cook is scrambled eggs, but she does them so well 
adding spices and chopped herbs and using the freshest bread. She makes them every weekend, but it still somehow feels like a lovely surprise. Mira and I enjoy coffee and breakfast curled up on the sofa with Charlie dozing at our feet, looking out at the garden through the patio doors. It is a blue-skied sunny morning and the plants are in full bloom. The warm air that flows through the window hints towards the hot day coming and I hear the far-off tinkling music of an ice cream van. Much to the amusement of Mira, it was pleased by the thought of others eating ice cream for breakfast at just past ten in the morning. We recently installed a bird feeder over the patio, and today it is attracting a lot of attention. We soon become entranced by a squirrel as it tries to beat the feeder's anti-squirrel enforcements. Neither of us had ever been all that much interested by the sparrows and blackbirds that frequented the garden before, but this squirrel is somewhat of an acrobat, shimmying up the fence, teetering across the pole and clinging onto the feeder's chain as it swings back and forth like a pendulum. He hangs upside down, flicking his bushy tail, trying all the tricks he can to convince the feeder he is indeed a delicate bird and not a cumbersome squirrel. He uses his hands and then his feet, trying to get more than his fair share of seeds to bury in the shrubbery nearby. Eventually, the squirrel shakes loose a peanut and a sunflower seed or two, and Mira cheers, fully invested in his efforts. Startled, the squirrel makes eye contact with his spectators before hurrying off into the bushes, seeming embarrassed to have been watched in his morning antics. I look over at Mira. She looks forlorn. She spooked him before he could collect his prize. She has always been sensitive towards animals, says Mira, acting like every creature that crossed her path has complex emotions. Mira hopped from the sofa and opened the patio door scooping up a handful of nuts and seeds from the feeder and flinging them into the bush in the direction of the sulking squirrel. She pauses on the patio as the sun re-emerges from behind a wispy cloud and lights her up, sending golden light across her dark skin and beaming smile. I head out too, and wrap my arms around her as we both close our eyes and soak in the warm morning sunshine. Heading back inside, I gather the dishes and bring them to the sink 
washing them in hot, soapy water as the radio sings from the windowsill, enjoying the warmth on my hands and the soft clatter of pots. Sun streams through the window and brings out a rainbow shimmer in the biggest soap bubbles. On a lazy Sunday, even the washing up feels like a spa treatment. I watch Charlie out at the window as I wash, racing around the garden now, tail wagging and tongue lolling, ears flapping as he gallops through the flower beds. I head upstairs and take a shower, pausing to let the hot water run over my head, still humming a song from the radio. Before long, I'm dressed and mulling over my very open plans for the day. When I come down to the kitchen, Mira is dressed in a sundress with her hair combed and pencil-free and bumbling around the kitchen looking for car keys. I reach into the pocket of her jacket hanging from a hook by the door and pull out the keys, jangling them in the air with a grin. Not a day goes by when Mira doesn't misplace something to find it much later in the most obvious of places. Mira rushes over gratefully and takes the keys before kissing my cheek goodbye and rushing out of the door, wishing me a good day. She's going to meet an old friend from a job she worked many years ago, and I knew she'd be gone a while. Though the two of them had been separated by distance for many years, they never lost that carefree ability some friends have to talk and talk for hours and never run out of things to say. As for me, I was planning a quieter day, starting with a dog walk. I remove Charlie's leash from the cupboard, and the sound of me doing so has him bounding in in seconds, seating politely at my feet, panting excitedly clip on the leash and head out of the front door into the sunshine. We stroll down the street, past rows of English terraced houses with their vibrant bricks and uniform charm. I never tire of the historical charm and quaintness of my town, where each building has a story and the streets are full of buzz and atmosphere. Even out here in the residential streets, where the atmosphere is sleepier and the buzz comes from the bumblebees flitting from flower to flower. Soon Charlie and I reach the river. It's a particularly vibrant green today, after a curious bout of summer rain, or not so curious as the case may be, and the occasional mossy plant bobs by us, taken away by the water's lazy flow. I like it this way. 
the emerald water and green trees and bushes make me feel like I am suddenly a world away from town, somewhere decidedly more forested and wild. We amble along, listening to the birds tweeting and saying hello to the odd passerby. Soon, an elderly gentleman rounds the bend ahead of us, with his equally elderly spaniel by his side. Though the dog's hair is greying and his stomach a little more rotund, he is the spitting image of little Charlie, and the two dogs trot forwards to touch noses and circle one another, in a slow dance that has the gentleman and I weaving this way and that to avoid the leads tangling together. We chuckle at the two of them, looking like father and son with the same brown curls and long, swinging ears. Eventually, Charlie and his doppelganger seem to say goodbye and veer back onto course, and the gentleman and I do the same, wishing each other a good day as we are pulled away by our pets. We stroll further along the river bank before the trees open up and we find ourselves in the park where people are picnicking and children are running about excitedly. I let Charlie off his leash and he behaves similarly, racing under the oak trees, trotting along the flower beds and playing confused games of chase with any other free dog in which they never seem to be able to decide who is doing the chasing. I sit on a bench, watching for a while, chatting with another dog walker who is sitting on the neighbouring seat. She has a silly black Labrador puppy who spends a while whizzing round Charlie in a blur as he looks around confusedly. Charlie seems to have been tired out just by watching the puppy and trots back to sit at my feet. I let him rest for ten minutes, then hook his leash back on and lead him back towards the river path. Before long, we are strolling back down our street. I let us in and Charlie pads over to his bed for a midday snore. I give him a treat before he nods off and pat his head as he begins to snooze. As for me, it's time for lunch. I head back to the door and out towards town. On a sunny day like this, there is nothing better than a slow lunch in the sunshine in the middle of the old cobbled streets of York. I stroll into the centre via the large turreted grey stone bridge that surpasses the river, looking fondly down at the glisten of the summer sun on the water's surface. I pause for a while at the bridge's centre point, resting my arms on its wall and enjoying the soft breeze drifting up towards me. 
strolling on and stepping off the bridge, I now find myself in my favourite place. Inside the old stone walls that circle the historical city. Ahead of me lies a maze of streets, of old medieval buildings and Tudor houses. There are stooping roofs and witchy alleyways made up of glass-panelled shops with old painted wooden signs. Behind the storybook facades are cosy pubs, arty shops, lively music and a whole host of friendly Yorkshire folk. Today I head to my favourite spot, a little Italian place with a terrace of small tables and chairs laid out in front. It's tucked in a quiet side street where old stone buildings are punctuated with painted wooden doorways, with shiny door knockers and old Georgian windows, with boxes of flowers hanging from their sills. From over their chimneys rises the cathedral's ornate turrets, rising from a square just a few streets away. I head in and place my order after chatting with the owner, Luca, who I had come to consider a friend from my many visits. With the weather being so fine and my plan so empty, I order a seafood spaghetti and a small glass of white wine. I take a seat on one of the tables outside. It is a late lunch and the only other customers are a couple sat splitting a pizza with their legs stretched out to soak in the sun and their sleek sunglasses reflecting each other in their lenses and a giggling group of middle-aged women who had long since finished their food, but seemed still captivated in their conversation, cupping foamy cappuccinos in their hands. I sit in the quiet of the early afternoon, idly watching the people strolling by. There's photography enthusiasts and students with huge cameras around their necks, drawn to the winding picturesque streets. There's middle-aged couples with maps, young men and women with strollers, and groups of happy-looking teenagers eating ice cream. I sip my wine and chilled water for ten minutes or so before Luca brings my meal. It appears he's taking a break as he brings his own meal and sits companionably next to me for a short while, telling me about some special kind of cheese he's finally tracked down from the mountains of Italy. I listen to his good-natured waffling as I slurp down my pasta, which is even more delicious than usual. After ten minutes or so, he finishes up his crusty sandwich and heads back inside, and I finish my meal in comfortable solitude, enjoying every bite. 
After lunch, I pay my bill and say goodbye to Luca before heading farther into town. There is nothing I need in particular, nor anyone I need to see, but I always find myself being drawn on leisurely strolls on days like this. I amble down the eclectic street of Lower Petergate, watching the York Minster's sandy-coloured towers rising further into the blue sky as I approach. Before long, I emerge into the square, and the Grand Cathedral towers above me now. The square is fairly busy with onlookers, picnickers, and passers-by. There is a group of young buskers playing guitars and violin, and a huge double bass, and singing along to some lively folky music I don't recognise. I watch along for a while, enjoying their enthusiasm and the wonder of the children who pass by the colourful and noisy bunch. After a while, I re-enter the maze of historical streets. There's old, peculiar shops slotted between cafes and restaurants, cooking all sorts of surprising cuisine, and the odd, bright, airy art gallery, all wearing the same historic disguise. The old painted wood, slanted tiles, stained windows and wonky beams of the street always keep you guessing as to what could be going on inside each door. I pass my favourite bookshop and can't help but step out of the sunshine and into its cool interior. I have stacks of books I have yet to read, but the inventory in here changes so often and contains so many hidden gems that I can't help but be drawn in for a rummage. Inside, the shop maintains all of its ancient features with beautifully ornate wooden cabinets, old rough metalwork on the walls whose purpose is now obsolete, and creaking, lovingly varnished antique furniture lit with glowing golden lamps. Every perceivable surface is covered in books from all times and places, most of which are second-hand, or in the case of the older books, handled by more than you could count. Brand new, beautifully designed modern graphic covers sitting on one bookshelf, whilst first edition leather-bound tomes are filling the cabinet just to its side. I rifle through the table of new acquisitions, discussing them with Sandra, the owner. She's an eclectic, bubbly woman with flowing blonde hair and linen clothes, always wearing more jewellery than I thought possible. Sandra has read just about every book I ever challenge her with, and I never know how she finds the time. Seen as she can always be seen around town, at any concert, class, pub or party, she knows everyone and never seems to tire.
Her energy is infectious. Mira is one of Sandra's many friends. Sandra hands me a magazine to deliver to her. Some old edition of a music magazine from their childhood, which the two had been discussing recently. I purchase an old copy of an Ian Fleming novel, tuck the magazine under my elbow, and head back into the sunshine. I take a right and work my way through the old cobbled streets back towards home. Charlie is waiting for me by the front door, tail wagging enthusiastically. He seems to feel much more lively after his nap. I let him out into the back garden and look out from the door. It's a bit of a jungle, this garden. A beautiful one, full of wild flowers and fruit trees and climbing shrubs, but a jungle nonetheless. I head upstairs and put on my gardening gear. As much as I love nature, I'm not a particularly avid gardener. I prefer to sprinkle a few easy seeds and let nature take its course. But today, the idea of rooting around in the soil whilst the sun shines down and the bees are buzzing sounds perfect to me. First thing first, I cut the grass. It has grown long, studded with little white daisies. As I mow, I breathe in the sweet, herby scent of cut grass and smile. It reminds me of my childhood, listening to the neighbours mowing through the open window and being tempted outside by the delicious smell of summer grass. I collect the clippings into a big, soft pile that Charlie paws at eagerly. I water plants, turn soil and pull weeds, taking off my glove to remove a ladybird from a dandelion, letting it pitter-patter up my arm before it spreads its wings and flies away. I follow the ladybird's path as it soars up into the air. I trim some of the lavender, careful not to disturb any of the fluffy bumblebees that are buzzing there. I made some lavender cake last year for a friend's birthday, and Mira made me promise I'd make it every year from then on, which I was more than happy to do. clear a corner of a flower bed for a herb garden I have been hoping to plant. It seems like a good omen to plant them on a sunny day like today, when it feels like nature is full of life and plants could burst from the ground any minute. I head inside and bring out the little sprouted seeds I'd set to germinate at the end of spring. Make a little hole for each baby plant and tuck it in, gathering the warm soil around it with both of my hands. 
Once all of the seeds are planted, I give them a sprinkle of water from the watering can and cross my fingers that they grow big enough to cook with before summer ends. As I stand there admiring my handiwork, Mira emerges from the patio doors with two cups of tea in hand. I was so enraptured by the planting that I hadn't heard her come home. The sun is now low in the sky and the warm afternoon turning cooler. It is a welcome coolness and the two of us sit side by side on the garden bench, sipping tea and talking, enjoying one another's company as the smell of barbecue starts to drift over the fence, tempting us to light up our own. I set the coals and light them, and we watch as they begin to glow. We slice vegetables to grill and wrap potatoes with tinfoil to bake until crispy and slather with butter. Mira brings crusty bread and dips from the kitchen. We snack on the grass whilst the rest grills, enjoying the slow pink glow that rises into the sky as the sun descends. After dinner, we head inside and cuddle up on the sofa. Me with my new James Bond novel and Mira with her magazine. Before long, Mira's head starts to bob and she's soon snoring on my shoulder. I myself am feeling rather tired from all the sun and food, and I'm secretly quite happy for an early night. I wake Mira gently, and we head back to bed, put on our soft pyjamas, and get tucked up warm together between white sheets. Before long, I feel myself drifting off, cozy and snug in my bed as a light breeze drifts through the window.